0: Let's welcome up uh, our lead pastor, Charles, as he shares a word this morning. Would you welcome Charles? Thank you, Mike. And thank you, worship team. It's always just really wonderful to uh, worship with you all. It's great to see you. Uh, I'm Charles. Thank you for being here at the river. Uh, hope uh, you are having a good Sunday. Uh, I was told this is the proper way to wear. (laughs) I'm not too used to it. But anyway, all right, we continue the Gospel Reimagined series today. Now, one of the most common phrases associated with the Gospel, and I'm sure you heard of this phrase, that is, Jesus died for our sins. Have you heard this phrase, Jesus died for our sins? I must confess I'm not a big fan of this phrase because did Jesus die for our sins or did Jesus die for you? I mean, it may sound a little nitpicky, right? But there is actually important difference because is God's focus on eliminating sin or is God's focus on us? Right? Because one phrase makes it sound like God is obsessively wiping out every dirty spot in the world, every sin, like some professional cleaner. Right? God is just going at it. That's what God is about wiping out sin. But that's not how the Bible portrays God. Jesus was called a friend of sinners pretty much everywhere he went. That doesn't sound like someone who is obsessively wiping out sinners and sin, right? I believe God died for us. For God so loved the world. Everyone in it. That's what caused it. And to say that death of Jesus was all about wiping out sin as if that was God's number one priority, I think it can actually lead to harm now before i get into all of that whenever i talk about stuff like this i i admit it can sound like i'm overly critical or i'm mad because it's a good thing to get rid of sin right why am i making such a nitpicking kind of point here i get good feedback from people who really love the river about how i can sound judgmental how i can sound mad against good folks trying to follow god with phrases like jesus died for our sins what's wrong with that right people are trying to they're nice folks they love god the good people i get that i get that i agree they are uh, many of them are nice folks they're trying to follow God they're not trying to cause harm I get that agreed uh, but agape unconditional love I get feedback isn't agape unconditional love shouldn't I extend that to everyone including them why Why do I sound judgmental at times uh, But the thing is, agape, unconditional love, doesn't mean you can't get mad. You can, even at people who are genuinely nice and trying to follow God, if there is harm that's being caused, perhaps unintentionally, but you can point it out and you can even get mad at it because agape rejoices with the truth. Jesus got mad. Jesus used extreme language. Jesus even used violence at times. Not at times, just one time. (laughs) Really, he used some extreme condemning language at good folks. The most famous example being the cleansing of the temple. Many of you know this story. This is the story everybody thinks of. (laughs) Right? As an example of Jesus getting really mad. Because he's even like getting violent, overturning tables and like whipping people, right? You know this story? It's very rare Jesus gets mad. But I feel the story is quite misunderstood. The common understanding of this story is that Jesus was upset at these greedy moneylenders who had set up shop at the temple, the holy place of God. How could they be so greedy that they would be mixing up money with the holy God? That's so dirty. We must have more reverence for God, more fear of God. God is holy. We have to have more holy attitude in our hearts. Don't You can't mix money with God. Right? Isn't that the impression that that's what God gets so upset about? That's sinful? That God was upset, Jesus was upset at this sinful mixing of money and faith. Unfortunately, that impression is actually pretty much the opposite of what the actual lesson of the story is. Let me explain. It wasn't money lenders jesus was mad at it was money exchangers and that actually makes all the difference let's look at the actual passage from the book of matthew and jesus entered the temple area and drove out all those who were selling and buying on the temple ground He overturned the tables of the money changers and the stalls of those who were selling doves and he said to them, It is written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you are making it a den of robbers. And those who were blind and those who were limped came to him in the temple area, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes, the leaders of the temple, saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children who were shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David! They became indignant, and they said to him, Do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read from the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared worship and praise for yourself? This is a powerful story told in all four Gospels in the Bible. There are only about a dozen stories that are in all four Gospels of the Bible. So that indicates this is a very important story for us to understand. It begins with Jesus entering the temple area and driving out all those who were selling and buying. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the stalls of those who were selling doves. Now, who are these money changers and dove sellers and what were they doing in the temple, right? Please note, they were not money lenders; they were money changers. They are like these. You've seen at the airports currency exchange booths. You come out, and there are these people that are trying to change your money, and they charge like ten percent fee for what they do, right? And and you do that there because you could go to the city and do this but it's you have to find the place and it's inconvenient so you're willing to pay some fee to get this service done right so the question is why do you need to change money in the temple <laughs> right i mean they're not like this is not an airport <laughs> this is the temple this is church the house of worship why do you need to change money, right? Good question. The reason is, I'll tell you what the reason is. The common currency at the time was denarius. That's what they call it. It's like dollar, denarius. This is the coin that they used. Everyone used this coin everywhere. And the inscription on that coin, do you see the image? That's Augustus Caesar, at the time, the emperor of Roman Rome. And the inscription says, Augustus has become God. Right? So that's your money. That's your dollar bills. That's what you got. Now you're in the temple. Imagine. Can you offer these coins to God in the temple? Do you know the commandment against idolatry? How God is unique, holy. Holiness actually literally means unique, set apart. God is one, O Israel. Here, O Israel, God is one. There is no other God. And you got this coin saying, engraved image of Augustus, saying Augustus is God. How do you think that goes over in the temple? (laughs) That's not good, right? You get that. You can't offer these as offerings at the temple. You have to change it to holy coin, acceptable offerings to God. I think you can understand the importance of such service. Now, what about the dove sellers? Well, there were these strict regulations and stipulations in the Bible about what kind of animals were acceptable as offerings to God. Now imagine these pilgrims walking hundreds of miles to Jerusalem, right? Do you think they can carry these doves from their home, <laughs> you know, these goats or sheep, you know, you think they can they can do this to hundreds of miles? And, and so when they arrive at the temple, it's very convenient that there are these regulation approved doves right there so that they can buy holy doves for holy worship to holy god right good stuff i bet all these merchants were thinking they were doing holy service to the faithful pilgrims to follow the bible to enable people to worship god properly good and great service nice folks trying to follow the bible worship god please god that's what they're doing so why did she just get so mad even get violent at these people were they gouging people perhaps but there's a limit to gouging because you know if they're like charged crazy amount people will find a way to like get the doves and change money in town rather than, you know what I'm saying? You do that at the, if the currency exchange were charging 100% fees, you would go to, go to the city and change, don't you? Competition, man. Why would Jesus get so mad at people charging service fees? What about the tax collectors? They were gouging people like 400%. That was the common practice. Jesus was very friendly with these people. He was called friend of tax collectors and prostitutes. He didn't get mad at them. Gouging does not seem to bother Jesus that much. (laughs) So what was he so mad about? The text itself gives us the answer. He was mad about where it was happening. He says it is written. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you are making it a den of robbers. So let's look at where it was happening. This is a layout of the temple. Um, Okay. So this is the layout of the temple. It was originally cooked up by my wife, Caroline. She's brilliant. So the most holy place. Is where God's presence was felt on earth. That's where the chief priests could go in once a year. It's the holy place. There's the court of priests, court of Israel, the court of women. So the court of Israel is actually where the men went. That, that reveals the ancient mindset where only men are like Israel, you know? Women are not even included in Israel, kind of. And they are closer to holiness, right? I mean, you can see the hierarchy here, right? In terms of closer you are to holiness, higher you are. This is how it went. And then there's the court of Gentiles. Gentiles are infidels. They're unbelievers, right? Right? Isn't that incredibly interesting that the temple has space for infidels and unbelievers? This reveals the, this, this spirit of inclusion reveals the true spirit of Judaism. Uh, it's a beautiful practice to have even a space for unbelievers. Now I have to ask you. So this is a quiz. This is like one of those uh, family feud, you know, like, you know where do you think if jesus was so mad at where they were set up where do you think these money changers and dove sellers were setting up shop so first option holy of holies the most holy place where only the cheap priest can go in once a year do you think it was set up there anybody no how about the holy place no how about the court of priests? Do you think the priests were like, okay, set up here? Court of Israel? The men? Where the men were? Where the women were? So who do you th- where do you think within the temple area they were set up? The court of Gentiles. Ding, 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 ding. You guys are brilliant. Exactamente. That's where they were all set up. All around. Right? Competition. There are many of them. That's where they were set up in the court of Gentiles. Now we begin to see why Jesus was so upset. What does he say? Why he's angry? My house, God's house, will be called the house of prayer for all nations. But you are making it a den of robbers. What is being robbed? Is Jesus mad at some service fee? The house of prayer for all nations was being stolen. That got taken over. There's no space for Gentiles to pray. Do you think you can pray and come experience God when everybody's like, like buying and selling? You know, there's this squawking goats and lambs and doves and people are like changing money and bargaining and haggling right about how much there's going to be a lot of haggling you think that's like a spiritual place where you can pray imagine trying to pray when all that is going on that's gone that's been taken over that's stolen And why did that happen? Because of faithful people of God, their desire to worship the holy God with holiness. You get that, right? Because of that, the space for the overlooked, the marginalized, the unclean Gentiles got stolen, got squeezed out. Now we see why Jesus got so mad, because he was always fighting for the excluded and the marginalized, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the sinners, to make space for them, for people like Zacchaeus, the tax collector. And the only other time Jesus gets so mad in the Bible, as far as I can see, and uses extreme language like, you children of snakes, is about this very same thing. As far as I can tell, this is the only theme, only thing that Jesus gets mad at. Squeezing out space for those considered unclean, unfit, impure in the house of God, in the family of God. Jesus gets extremely upset about that. The passage goes on to say, those who are blind those who limped came to him in the temple area and he healed them did you know that the blind and the lame were not allowed in the temple area because they were considered unclean unfit not holy enough to be in the presence of god so the fact that they came to jesus inside the temple makes a point to say in the temple area they came that's very significant jesus made space for them Now it makes sense why the passage mentions this. This can sound a little random, right? He just drove out people and then there's like a healing. (laughs) How does it connect? It's exactly the same theme. Jesus is making space for the unclean. And that's how and when healing takes place. That's when miracles happen. That's when the Holy Spirit comes, when you make space for everyone. So I declare to you today, there is space for you, whoever you are, in the house of God. No matter what you think of yourself. Even if you feel I'm not holy enough, whatever, doesn't matter. There is space for you in the house of God unconditionally believe it for that is the gospel when jesus died on the cross can we see the temple layout with the holy spirit breaking out when jesus died on the cross at that moment the bible says this curtain separating The Holy of Holies, where the presence of God, Holy Spirit, was there, it was torn from top to bottom. You remember that passage? It's a very important passage. It was torn. And the Holy Spirit just went out everywhere, erasing all those walls and boundaries and hierarchy of who is closer to God and who is holier, who's in, who's out. It got obliterated. That is the meaning of the cross. That is what the cross accomplished. It just erased it. It's gone all those walls. For Jesus abolished dividing walls through the cross, as the Bible says. That is why Jesus died. To break down all these walls, create space for all. Today... We don't exclude the blind people and the lame people and the deaf people from church. That would be seen as crazy. (laughs) Even though that's what they did 2,000 years ago. But the same spirit of exclusion continues on. They just change the targets. That's been the history of church. Just targets rotate, but the same spirit of dividing these walls, all that, it just continues on. It can be seen today, especially when the church at large and much of the world focus on and targets and excludes the LGBTQ community, causing harm in the process of pursuing holiness in the name of holiness. Exact same dynamic. I've spoken on this a number of times. But at the river, we are not into code-based morality. Some code telling you where you fit. Some code telling you that men are closer to God than women. We're not into that. (laughs) That's not the gospel. You have to show harm. To call it sin. For the Bible is clear. Agape does no harm. Therefore, agape is the fulfillment of the laws of the Bible. What that's saying is that harm is the criteria of the laws of the Bible. There is no harm in being LGBTQ. What harm is there? Right? And just no. Do not call impure what God has created. We had a meeting of the worship team this past Tuesday along with some leaders of this church. I wish you could have been there. That was one of the most powerful experiences of the Holy Spirit I've had in years. Some of you who are there, don't you think that was very powerful? Yes? Yes. Uh, I was so moved to hear people's stories of being able to worship God freely and be themselves here at the river, one person uh, one man shared with tears streaming down of the experience of being over there in that area, uh, worshiping God. a lot of the share people who share talked about being in that around there, so <laughs> perhaps that's the hot spot I don't know but Anyway, he, he shared about how he, uh, he, could hold, he, he was holding hands with a, a man and he could worship God freely as he is at this space. And it just was so freeing and powerful and healing for him to be free to be himself in the house of God. Another person shared about finding the Holy Spirit at the river after getting kicked out of his own church for being gay. Finding worship here, listening to music, just... And he was sobbing as he was sharing this story. Just how freeing and healing and embraced... And just he couldn't get enough of it. Another person shared about how, I don't even remember this interaction, but he talked about how he was having a conversation with me downstairs in the basement and how I told him that there's nothing wrong with being gay. And he said he had never heard a pastor tell him that. And he just felt the Holy Spirit just pour into him like honey. And, and after he left, he couldn't go home. He, he said he walked and walked and walked and walked for hours upon hours in the city, just feeling the Holy Spirit like honey inside his body. And he just felt the healing and power of the living God freeing setting him free. It was just <laughs> I I was so moved. It brings tears to my eyes, even just retelling you that moment of hearing these stories as people were crying and sharing of the healing and the Holy Spirit people were experiencing. It was such a powerful moment. It was a healing moment for me as well. It's powerful. You see, when you make space for everyone, Holy Spirit comes. When you make space for everyone, healing happens. That's the significance of this passage. Now when this court of Gentiles was freed up, The blind and the lame could go to that space and healing took place. That's what the passage is telling you. And worship rises up. True worship. The children, pure worship is rising up. And the religious leaders try to shut that down. But Jesus protected that special moment. You see how the passage hangs all together. Now it makes sense, all of it. What a powerful passage! It was just such a special moment. I I wish you could have been there. Maybe you could join the worship team. You know, (laughs) and you could experience this if you have musical talent, like I, I. I should not join the worship team. You. You wouldn't want that. that. That would just drive out the Holy Spirit. It would just be so bad. Trust me. <laughs> and it's such a privilege to be your pastor here, declaring the gospel that frees us all, brings healing. So Let me throw out some suggestions out of all this. First, be free to be yourself. Especially in the house of God, there's space for you here as you are. You don't need to live up to some code. You don't need to bring the right coin, right animal for sacrifice. Just bring yourself. That's all God wants. God is focused on you. God is besotted with you. God unconditionally loves you. God's focus is not on sin. God's focus is on you. There's healing in this. To be freed from the pressures of the code that runs the world. Culture code, Bible code, code everywhere. Hierarchy that comes from all this code. The the gospel breaking and tearing of the curtain. The cross blows that away. That's what it means to be Christian, to believe this and to live it out. The freedom that comes from the gospel, that's Christian. So be free from code-based morality because what is sin? How is sin determined? Much of the religious world uses some sacred text as code to determine what is sin, who's down, who's up, up. The ancient world, they had this very hierarchical, uh, today too, but you know, like slaves, they were considered cursed by gods. They were worthless. They were, you know, they must have sinned against God to have such faith. And the Christians went around telling these slaves that God incarnate died for you. You are same in worth as the senators of Rome in the eyes of God. You see how subversive that would be? How appealing it would be to hear such things as slaves? Senators, not so much. That's why the Bible says, you know, most of the early Christians were like from the slave class (laughs) because it, it really appealed right away. Do you know babies born with genetic issues were thrown out? Many of them were just thrown out to die of exposure. They were considered born in sin. Remember that story about the man born, in, born blind and how he was called, you were born in sin by the religious leaders? They were considered sinful just because Christians went around rescuing them, early Christians, because Jesus declared that man born blind as an agent of God's glory. Because Jesus considered and declared all people sacred. They fought the system because of their belief in the gospel. We should too. Just as Jesus got mad at the systems, with all the money changers and dove sellers, we should get mad at the systems today based on some code putting people into categories in hierarchy because that robs people of space to worship God and it drives out the gospel for all of us. Let's look at the temple layout if possible. Well, yeah, remember the quarter men and quarter women and all that crap. (laughs) I mean, who says that? sorry but who says that men are ahead of women in holiness closer to god what the h hell right come on some code from some sacred text does this who says lgbtq community offense got some code from some sacred text same spirit The cross that we follow blows it all away, goes out to all. Let's fight to make space for all. You know, it can be inconvenient for us. You know, I imagine all those faithful people, it became inconvenient when Jesus drove out all those money changers and dove sellers. Where are they going to get the right coin now? They'll have to, like, look all around town. It's not what they're used to. You can feel blasphemous, in fact. This is one of the reasons why they killed Jesus. You know, same thing can happen today too. It can be inconvenient. When we started worshiping God and sometimes referring to God as a she and a mother, some people left this church, got mad at me and let me have it. You, you wouldn't believe some of the vitriol and venom that can come at your way as a pastor. Why did we do that? Because they were like, this sounds like new age. How can you call God a she, a mother? Mother God? How dare you? Blasphemous. Because the Bible pretty much exclusively refers to God as a male, right? We're used to God as a he, right? Everybody calls God he. Even I sometimes slip back to that bad habit. Why do we do that? Because first, Bible is very clear. God transcends gender. God is not male. That is very clear. Can we make that very clear? God is not he. And two, Bible also makes it very clear that both male and female reflects God's image equally Perfectly. Agreed? So why is God exclusively called male? Because that can sound nitpicky, but it causes harm. Because God represents everything that is good and perfect. Most holy. Right? And if that is exclusively male, what does that say? Right? What? Women are just out? You can never live up to any goodness or perfection like man can? <laughs> that's just stupid, right? Now, I understand ancient world mindset where they, they always thought that men are, women were just like, like almost equal to animals. They thought that way. Okay. But that's like ancient world. Do we have to keep being that stupid? Do we have to cause harm by putting down women in this way? So do you see why we need to balance this out? It may be uncomfortable because you're just not used to it. I understand. I'm not comfortable. I come from Confucian culture. This is very uncomfortable stuff for me. But this is the gospel. When you put walls Divide people and exclude people. Put people down. Holy Spirit leaves. Healing cannot take place. And Jesus gets truly angry. Do we want that? No. It's worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for everyone. It's not just for the blind and the lame and the LGBTQ. We fight for this space. We fight for all of us. When we fight for this space. For we all want the Holy Spirit. We all need healing. We can only have it in the gospel. We can only experience the true cross when we make space for all. Amen and hallelujah. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, come and be with us here in this space. Let us experience the healing and true praise that rises up when we make space for all. When all the boundaries are blown away and we are all flattened equally, for the gospel makes nothing and everything out of all of us. Help us to live in the spirit of the gospel. Help us to live in this space of healing. And Holy Spirit, move our hearts, move our souls, and lift us up into your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.